0: Parenting is hard, but there's help. Welcome to the first episode of Everyday Parenting with Marybeth Henry. Everyday Parenting is a podcast dedicated to tackling the everyday struggles and questions we have as we raise our children. Licensed marriage and family therapist and parent educator Marybeth Henry provides insights and strategies as she interviews parents in different stages of parenthood. She has counseled hundreds of parents over her 20-year career and is bringing her expertise to this podcast. These are face-to-face, unscripted interviews with real parents, but names have been changed to protect their identities. Everyday Parenting will be out with new episodes every two weeks for our first season. Help support Everyday Parenting. If you have a business and would like to reach directly into the ears of our listeners, please contact us at parentingpodcast at gmail.com. In today's episode, Mary Beth speaks with Sylvia and Adam.
1: Sylvia and uh, Adam. Uh I'm so glad you could come today, and I look forward to getting to know you and your family. So please tell me a little bit about yourselves and and why you are here today.
2: Okay, um, so uh, we are here today. Oh well, I guess I can tell you about ourselves first. Thank you for having us. I <laughs> guess let's <laughs> let me start to where you started. Yeah. Um, we are have been married for eons. Um, and we have a little girl named Ava and she's our only one and we have recently bought a house. Um, Ava is currently three. She'll be four in February. So in a, in a month or so. So I guess she's pretty much four, um, four going on 15. And so we, we bought a house, and through the transition, we had to move into my mom's house because we had to make some changes to the house that we bought. Mm-hmm. Um, so we couldn't move in right away. So we moved out, moved into my mom's place, and then we will then have to move out into our new house when it's ready. Um, and we're a little... Mm, apprehensive I guess to that experience because moving the first time was really really hard it was a really hard transition
1: on Ava um what was hard about it what what behaviors did she did she show what was what was what was she telling you
2: so there was I there was a lot of acting out but Ava's different in the sense that she doesn't she doesn't typically do like the standard tantrums that little ones tend to do okay. where they, you know, just get really upset and start screaming and crying. Mm-hmm. She kind of turns into like a, like a teenager. Like she will yell at you and then storm off. Okay. Um, she will want space, she'll want time away. Um, and then when she's with you, it's a lot of arguing. Okay. About things, okay. Um, and the two of us, you know, we've were only children, so we've haven't really had the experience with children. Okay. Um, so we're really learning as we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so what could be very normal, you know, a very normal tendency for a little one, it's still very new to us, and so our gauge has been sure, like we sure. just kind of learn as we go because we don't really have any room for comparison.
1: Sylvia and Adam are like a lot of first-time parents. They don't have a whole lot of time interacting with other children, so when they see Ava's behavior, they often wonder is this normal? Are we doing this right? Ava goes to school, is social, and says that she loves school, but every morning she tells her mom she doesn't want to go and has trouble separating.
2: She was a terrible sleeper. <laughs> from the moment <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> she was born, <laughs> okay, um, she would sleep in twenty-minute increments. Okay, okay. From the moment that she came out of my body, okay, okay, <laughs> um, very, very attached to me. Okay, um, even like when she was very little, Adam would have a hard time just being able to hold her. Okay, because she just always wanted me. Okay. Uh so that so was she
1: would cry if someone else held her, she would cry, yeah, and then that person would just a- surrender her back to you, yeah, exactly, okay. so she got into that pattern of understanding that,
2: yeah, okay, yeah, so like for instance, she's been sick a lot uh in the new year, she caught the flu and she's so it's been getting healthy and getting sick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the moment she starts to feel a little bit sick, she's like an octopus, okay, you know, okay. and it's all about mom and it's There's just, she makes separation very difficult. She wants me to constantly be sitting with her.
1: Okay. So a lot of trust. There's a lot of trust there. A lot. A lot of trust (laughs) with you and a lot of mistrust with the world around her. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair.
3: We're still in the battle of nap time or bedtime. And typically uh, I've always been been at work mostly. Mm -hmm. And so I usually miss the naps. Work weekends. Um, they're usually for a bedtime routine, though I've missed quite a few. And uh, um, she uh, has a very specific routine that she likes, and it's very much her mother. Uh, but we th- both do story time together, and, but yet she still has to have her mom put her to sleep. It, it's getting a lot better now. Um, before, it used to take an hour or so to get her down. Okay. Now, we're down to 15 minutes but we still do the same thing but for some reason she's won't let me put her down okay um he asks every day i ask every day
2: it's Mm -hmm. kind of this um this back and forth conversation where even within the past couple days she's she plays with him a little bit where she's like okay daddy tonight you can put me to sleep like she kind of dangles this carrot Mm -hmm. in front Mm -hmm. and then when a push comes to shove and then when it comes to the point, yeah. then she... She, well, she
1: knows what she knows and she knows that. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like she... The two things are going on here. She's, she's using this as a control tactic sure. or a manipulation or she really is trying to, trying to reach out and doesn't quite feel that sure. she can do it. I want to inquire with the parents about Ava's sleep patterns and routine to get an idea of what she's learned about self-soothing. It sounds like they've always had trouble with sleeping, and currently they hold her hand until she falls asleep. I understand that the changing living situations have made it very difficult for them to be consistent and implement sleep training and routine, so I'd really want to find out a little bit more about the routine, what they currently are doing, and how we can help Ava learn to self-soothe. You talk about the octopus being on you and, <laughs> and clinging on to you for for uh, for that comfort. Yeah. Um, what else would you say? Um, so so sleep is a big piece. I always want to look at. Um, I also want to look at feeding. Is she able to uh, feed herself and mm-hmm. take care of herself? And yeah,
3: she can. But she definitely has almost every day she'll p- she'll pick a uh, parent wants to feed her and not that she needs any help she just likes that mm-hmm. comfort of okay. either daddy feeding her or her mommy feeding and her. would
1: you say that you actually spoon food into her yes. mouth mm-hmm. yes okay yeah
3: okay yeah.
2: even though she does it it'll sort of be a mixture like she'll start and then she'll say mommy you feed me okay or daddy you feed me mm-hmm. and then we'll finish up um, she'll get distracted and she'll just stop eating and be doing you know whatever it is that she wants to do and she'll still have food mm. so then we're like here okay. yeah because we'll go to restaurants and she'll be able to sit and eat mm-hmm. she won't have a problem there um but at home yeah it's definitely there are better things to, to be done yeah
1: <laughs> well then there's a lot of restaurants are a lot of stimulation there's a lot of activities going on so sure. you know so she so sound i mean it sounds to me like she um, definitely likes a lot of stimulation. Likes a lot of um, sound, noise, that kind of things. Don't really disturb her. Mo- mainly, uh, she actually gets her body actually likes that, right? A lot mm. of yeah. different stuff going on. I would say yes
2: to a certain level. Like when she was very young, we would have a, a lot of trouble being in places with noise. Okay, she would wear the headphones okay. because
1: she would get very. Anxious, okay, around noise, okay, that's a really important insight. Thank you for sharing that because that's sure. that's a big piece that sensory piece helps me really understand um how her body um understands and interprets her world okay and when you when you talk about a child okay. who might have a difficult time with explosion of of um yeah, at school where she uh, you know she gets very upset quickly mm-hmm. um a lot of times as parents and teachers, we interpret that. Um, when I go visit a, a child at a school and observe a child, that I might be called in because the child has a temperament, right? Or it might sure. be exploded. But when I go and watch the child, what I see is that the child is uh, feeling very overwhelmed by an environment. Mm-hmm. And so what they have to do is being as a sensory child or any child, it might have to match that energy. And to get out of that craziness, that moment of intensity, they create another chaotic environment.
2: I see. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so she might be exploding exploding in her behavior because she you think that she's frustrated or angry or but it also might be overwhelming for her sure might have been the noise of the classroom or um, someone else crying or children playing too loud um, and then she was stuck in that and didn't quite yeah. know how to she know how to to regulate that in her body sure and so she creates another piece to sure
2: it. i can see that there was there was an incident at school during their morning circle time, which I'm there for, I always leave after it's done. But there was a classmate that became very, very upset, and the teacher tried very hard to console him, but he was still very upset, and I could feel her
1: her tend- getting yeah. very, very anxious. Yes, yes, exactly. It. it that's exactly it. Yeah, and so. Anxious that 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 feeling of um, that coming on or that feeling of uh, things being out of balance um, that you know when you start seeing her building up that's that's the piece I really want to focus on today because at home um, even though we're in a a new environment or environment we're temporary temporarily and it's really nothing to do with that what it comes down to is little things we can do as parents to um, regulate her behavior By not, uh, because an anxious child, number one, an anxious child will control their environment to every nth degree. Okay. So that's what they do. They control it because they, if they control it, they feel that it will become predictable. They can, they can have that predictability. So what she's doing by, daddy, tonight you can put me to bed. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to go back to what I know. Like she's trying, she's really trying to incorporate you into her world. But it's, she goes back to what she knows, that real... I know exactly what mom's going to do and how mom's going to do it and I can get through this.
2: I can see that for sure because definitely recently she's been doing a lot of daddy, uh, can you get this for me? And then there's another adult like either my mom or myself standing by what she's asking for. Mm-hmm. And we say, oh, we can get it. Here you go. And she says no. no. Yeah. And she's yeah. very adamant. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we don't really know the proper way to proceed? Like, do you just, you know, let it go and just placate to the request? Or do you say, well, no, we're right here. I can get it for you. And when we try, then it's just the explosion. It's a fight. It is.
1: Yeah. So to answer your question quickly and then to go back and help you understand it, um, what we don't want to do, we don't want to play. We do not want to give into it, but we want to understand it. Okay. So let's look at that. So if daddy, could you please get me my, my juice or my cup of water, whatever it is on the table. And you're standing right there. Mm -hmm. Right. He's, oh, I got it. I got the water. I'm bringing it over. And she says, no, daddy's supposed to bring it. I want Mm -hmm. daddy to bring it. That right there is where you you stop and whomever, if dad's near or you're near, I, at the moment I'm going to tell you what to do next. But I need to know what she, her reaction is. Does she, at that moment would she prefer some someone coming to her and physically touching her, or does she prefer people staying at distance and talking? Uh, What's
3: uh, we've tried both. Um, mm-hmm. I will, I will. Uh, usually I'm right next to her when she's asking for something, so I'll mm-hmm. grab her hand or touch her lap and say no mommy's right there and that's okay and then she'll be like then she'll push my hand away yeah. okay, and say, I'm gonna stop can
1: I stop you right there Cause yeah. I want I want to explain that one little activity right there that the way you respond when you say I like the idea that you say you know you know dad mom's right there she can get it okay but before you say that I need you to hear her because all her behaviors all the anxious behaviors that she's trying to communicate to you verbally and non-verbally we need to acknowledge That's the first step. So, for example, if she says, I really want, I want want you to get that water for me, Daddy. I want you to get it. Then I want you to repeat that back. So you're telling me, you want me to walk over and get the water for you. Is that what you're asking? Just here. It sounds so repetitive. But for her, what she needs to hear from you is, we hear you. We hear what you're trying to say. You don't need to have a tantrum. You don't need to go into an anxious level. We hear you. Okay. Then you're going to pause for a minute on that pause and you're going to wait for her to process that. Yes, Daddy, that I want you to get it. Now, here's when then you can start throwing in, because we've heard her now, right? You're sure. not going into correcting her or making it better. You're not fixing it because that's what she's used to is everyone fixing stuff for her mm-hmm. and making it happen. And we need to slow that thought process down and get her to realize that you, I hear you and we're going to help you understand this now. So... You'd say very you know, say her name Ava. Isn't it kinda silly that mom's right there and I'm right here. Mom can get that water and bring it right over here. You would narrate what would you what you'd want versus saying, Come on, mom's right there. <laughs> she can bring the water right. right? You would just narrate, look at mom's right next to the water. Mm-hmm. She could bring that water over here. And then you process what she, no, I want you to bring it. I want you to bring it, daddy, right? Would that be a normal <laughs> response? Okay. Yeah. Then you would hear that again. Ava, I know, I know you want me to get it, but right now it doesn't make any sense for m- me to walk all the way over there, right? And then this is where you bring in a little fun to walk all the way over there to get your water and mama's right there. It sounds very time consuming and it sounds like a lot of work on your part, but th- what has happened in her uh, um in her lifetime in her, in her growing that very early on um, we missed a certain developmental pieces with her and it could have been that. and this is very normal with sensory children if she has little all of us have sensory pieces sure. but her sensory piece um, she has learned to shut down parts of her life and parts of her development for example if she was sensitive to hearing and noise and noise kind of made her mm-hmm. tense up when she was a baby she had that piece it was mm-hmm. part of her and so she, instead of learning to work through certain times, like sleep or transitions or um, being, you know, having that soothing piece, um, she learned just to shut down and and only stick with you and only stay with you and not be able to reach out and learn new ways of, of soothing and being taken care of. Does that make sense at all? Okay. So it's, um, what we have to go back now is redo some of those, that thought process and that understanding for her so she can start grasping um, how things work and, and think it through versus just reacting. Okay. We, we're reactionary at this point. So we have to go kind of rewind a little bit mm-hmm. and teach her. And so what I wrote on my notes here is where we you're talking and with the first piece was trust, right? She's learning to trust different people. Yeah. And that's, that, that's what we want her to do. Of course, yeah. And, um, what, and that's what we have to go back to that basic structure of trust. Okay, so this is a basic piece, right, that Ava is working on. She has trust with you, right, right. As, as mom. Mm-hmm. But with dad, right, she's still lacking this one piece of trusting that he's predictable, trusting that he can provide these things for her. Now, it's nothing you've done. It's her. It's who she is. It's it's the development of this child, of who she was from, from birth. Um, so it's, it's nothing that um, has happened. Um, it's just who she is temperament wise and with her sensory challenges and processing that she had growing up um, that basic trust um, is now delayed and so we need to get her caught up a little bit on that and learn to trust the world around her we need to focus on how they manipulate and how they control the world around them to keep it as safe as possible Mm -hmm. and we need to start challenging those and that's what we just talked about taking it step by step and teaching her that we can challenge it just a little bit, but by not by being sarcastic to her or being, um, condemning of her, but walking her through the steps. Isn't it silly that mom, mom's right there. She can grab your cup, right? And then playing that out a little bit. And if she gets upset with that, then you know what, Ava, you can cry about this. You can be sad about this, but mom's going to go get your cup and she's right there and she's going to bring it over. And then that process, right, of moving that brain mm-hmm. to understand mm-hmm. that we're not going to give into that. We're not going to give into that, that fear, because it's really a fear that she's running on of the fear and the, then the need to control. Okay. 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 So, but it, it goes back to just taking things really slow, going, kind of going back a little bit and, ta- and really narrating her life to her and helping her see the steps that it takes to, to move her brain to trust, Mm -hmm. to trust that mom can bring that water over here. Sylvia and Adam continue to share examples with me of Ava's behavior, where Ava finds ways of controlling the situation, and when she doesn't get her way, she storms off. So her parents often choose their battles and give in to Ava when she is asking for something unreasonable. In this case, Ava often takes her mom's food, and instead of Drawing a boundary, she allows Ava to have the toast to avoid a blow-up.
2: So I did tell her that's my toast Mm -hmm. and that now that she's taken my toast, now I only have half a toast. Mm -hmm. And she has her yogurt and her blueberries and her crackers Mm -hmm. and now my toast. Okay.
1: Um, I but but, <laughs> if, but if but but if you <laughs> were to come back, if, if, see once again, it's nothing about the toast. <laughs> I understand. Are we getting understand. this pattern now? It's uh, nothing yeah. about the toast. What really? What is it about again? Control. Sure. Control again. So we need to stop that and not not a stop. Babe, no. It's you know what? No. That's my toast. I'm. G- I will get you a piece of toast. Right. Okay. Once you finish your food. But then I mean, you, then you don't give up, and you sit there, and you eat with her. And she starts moaning and growling. I want that toast. I want that toast. Because that's what she's going to do, right? Oh, absolutely. She's going to have a fit. Or
2: or she'll storm off and get upset. Normally what happens is she'll get very upset and then she'll storm off and then she'll be, she'll sit for, you know, a couple minutes. And then she'll come in kind of like nothing happened. Mm -hmm, mm
1: Mm-hmm. So she knows how to just kind of cool herself off and come back. Right. Okay. So
2: that's why we've been allowing it Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Before, we used to To follow her. We used to try and talk her out, talk out the situation with her. But yeah, she just... I imagine it's like a sensory overload, which is kind of how we always took it. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. she just needed the space. For sure.
1: Yeah, definitely.
3: It's interesting because she, now that you say that she likes to control her space, her environment, it's very true. It goes down to when we're cooking, she wants to take part in cooking. When we're cleaning, she wants to take part in cleaning. Mm -hmm. When we're whatever it is, whatever radio channel I put it on or TV channel, she wants to decide all those things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, sometimes it doesn't work out
1: exactly. and 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 it shouldn't work out because that's it's that's a lot of control for a child. yeah, and children, believe it or not, you think, "Oh, they just love all this control, but believe it or not, that causes more anxiety because a child does not truly like to be in control. I know it sounds very strange, and you think,, well, how could that be?" But all that power for them is very anxiety driven, very anxiety driven because they, Feel as though everything they do they have control over and that is power and they know that they are not the biggest people right they know they shouldn't have that but they have it and it becomes very insecure feeling okay so what we have to realize is it we have to kind of pull back a little bit we need to educate her we need to help walk through things I love the fact that she can go off right and in her space, calm herself down and come back, okay? That's w- wonderful. At home, it's mm-hmm. harder to do that when you're at school, when you're at, you know, sure. and she would have to help her with that. But at home, she's able to go off, calm herself down, and come back. And then when she comes back, are you able then to reevaluate and, re- and talk about the, or do you just move on to something else?
2: No, we always we always discuss it.
1: Okay. And she's able to then to logically think it through at that point?
2: Uh, Yeah, she seems to.
3: What's been very challenging this year uh, is the flu and her deciding that she doesn't want to take her medicine, her deciding she doesn't want to go to the doctors.
1: So you you see how this leads, right? This control thing really does lead into bigger problems because she feels she can make those decisions. Right. And so your phrase back to her, what have you said to her as parents? How have you recount how you how do you respond to that
3: sylvia and i both grew up very differently and i was kind of of the family type that you do what i tell you to do Mm -hmm. or you're going to regret it
1: yeah you don't you don't question there was no question
3: um and so it has always bothered me that we give her so much a choice and I, and since I'm not around very much, it's hard for me to argue anything different because Sylvia seems to have uh, much better understanding because she's there all 24 hours a day, has sure, been sure. from the beginning. And she has read a lot, so she's definitely educated in the area. So I kind of have let it kind of go. And I can't say that my way would be better because my way would just be what my parents did, and it would just be yeah. force-feeding. Sure, the sure, medicine because sure. you got no other choice and it was going to get down to that um, but uh, we decided to talk it through but that's an hour-long discussion mm-hmm, to take mm-hmm. 10 milliliters of
1: exactly of medicine exactly.
3: and now we got it down to uh, about four minutes mm-hmm. but it took a really long time to get there yeah, so yeah. I'm kind of I'm still on the fence I don't really know yeah. I'm not I'm not a believer of spanking But I definitely believe that there is a hard line that everything, you know, who's the boss. And the way I sort of have done that in the past is take her to her room, turn off the lights, and we're just going to talk about it. So there's no, because if the lights are on, she's going to run to her toys. Sure. She's going to like, she just has to sit there and we're going to, she's just going to hear my voice Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and see what's happening. Mm -hmm. And usually after 10 minutes, five minutes, she's back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's i don't crazy. know if that's the right way or wrong well, way, but no, that's the I th- way it's I think, I think, is I think you,
1: you're both really attuned to her needs of, of, I mean, just that alone is a great example of knowing her sensory around her, how she gets distracted, number one. Number two is um, really taking her into a, a closed environment that's um, where you will give her the chance to hear, to process. It's all about processing here. You give her that chance to process. And, and the, the question and in the, in the difficult part right now is, you are having to do this now, which it should have been done from the day one, and now you're gonna do it now, which is great. I'm glad to hear it's happening, but it is gonna take a little longer time, so you are gonna do more hour lectures <laughs> where, with it, that are gonna get down to four minutes, but this is an investment that's gonna be so worth it, as you can see, um, but you're doing, that approach is what we have to do, and it is very long and, and tedious, but the long-term effects are amazing, so you're right on the path. We just have to now incorporate it into everything. But it isn't let's just wait till it happens and then talk. It's let's plan ahead and prepare her for what is going to happen. So she does a lot of thinking ahead of time and processing. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Mm-hmm. So we don't have to deal with the uh, after effect of the processing. So preparation. So knowing that she needs to go to the doctor, she's sick. She has the flu. The doctor has to happen, right? That was uh, your adult decision. You're the parent decision. Mm -hmm. So, knowing that, that idea of going to the doctor for her creates anxiety. Yes. It's the unknown. It's the, even though she's been to that doctor before, it doesn't matter. It's still the unknown. Every developmental age, stage, week, month, it changes their thoughts. They get new information. They gather more information. So, they have to, then you have to work through that every single time. Mm -hmm. So, going to the doctor, the name of the doctor, the time you're going to be going. Um, and what do you, you know, what your view of what the doctor needs to do, you've got to put it out there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you give her a chance to talk about it and to say, I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't want to go to the doctor. And what our response as parents normally would be, you have to go to the doctor. You're sick, right? That would be our natural response, right? Well, typically our response
2: is, okay, why don't you want to go to the doctor? Okay. Okay. And then she says, because I don't want to get a shot.
1: Okay. So rewind and let's go back to, I don't want to go to the doctor, mom. I don't want to go to the doctor, Daddy. I just don't want to go. Instead of asking why the first sentence, mm-hmm. I want you to ask her and say these words. Just repeat what you just said. Oh, you, you're you're telling me you do not want to go to the doctor. Okay. Just that phrase is hearing her okay. versus going right to the why. Sure. Because the why is her anxiety. Yeah. You don't want to go to the doctor. I Thank you for telling me. I, we hear you. And then I want you to just pause and wait for a minute. Wait for her to come up with that. Why? Okay. I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't want to go. I can hear you. You don't want to go. Okay. Just hearing her, just pausing a little bit and then see what she says next. So most likely, what do you think she might say next at that point is, um, I don't want to go because I don't want to get a shot. That's right. (laughs) I don't want to get a shot. So
3: I've tried that exact same thing that you're doing of hearing her because I actually went to this other. Uh, parenting developmental thing for okay. NPR okay and it worked it was kind of amazing uh, it was first was the acknowledgement
1: yes yes and
3: then uh, processing it by uh, telling having her listen in a way that she's going to tune into exactly and with Ava it's usually an exciting um, uh, something exciting something loud or like she is. She's definitely used to having a lot of noise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it right away she listens. The thing with the medicine was, okay, I okay. And then, like thirty seconds later, but I really don't want to go. <laughs> like, I understand you don't want to go. Yeah. yeah, So we'll just go and do that over and over exactly. and over again.
1: Exactly, Yeah.
3: And uh,
1: very good. That's exactly the, it. And it, and you saw the difference. Yes, but it it's time consuming, it right? Is. It is. It is. It's but test it, your patience. It is. It's an investment. It's an investment. Children, I, I I use children as a comparison to a bank. We're totally investing always into this to give them life skills, to give them the way to manage things. It takes time.
2: So we have to get into the mindset that it's okay that it takes an
1: hour. I think part of it too right, is right like, now, yes. It, and twenty years from now, not so much. Ava is a child who needs a lot of predictability, so I make sure to encourage them to visually chart out her routine from everything from taking medicine to seeing when her dad is traveling to her routine before going to school. These charts provide the visual cues and predictability and provide security, which Ava needs.
2: So with this move looming, which will also, she'll be changing houses, and Mm -hmm. then my mom will no longer be with us. We won't be with her. Yes. Um, So she'll be, her living dynamic will change. Mm -hmm. How do we create... As much predictability for
3: her exactly. as possible Exactly. Yeah, okay. so, so you,
1: you, So wh- how much longer are you going to be in the home you're in right now?
3: At least two months.
1: Okay. So right now I really want you to focus on the, this basic skill of working her through things. Okay. okay. We got that technique down of okay. really hearing and then slowly working through. That process right there is number one. Number two, moving to the new home. Okay, is what you're asking about Mm -hmm. how to make that transition for her. Mm -hmm. And what I like to encourage families to do is when you're moving or going to something new, a new school, a new home, um, a trip or anything that's going to be a big change. Okay, I, I encourage you to once again, introduce her to that new environment as much as you can. Now, what I want you to now to do is the two of you is take your your phones and with the camera you have and start taking fun, unusual pictures of the home as it's getting done. So it might be the walkway up to the home, the front area of the home, the number of the house, all these little visual cues that she'll start identifying as her home. Okay. And then you're going to create some kind of, uh, you can make a photo book or just do it digitally where she could look through those photos every single day Mm -hmm. and talk about her new home, the color of the home, Right. So that makes it all these little things. And then once the inside of the home starts coming together, you're going to start taking photos. And I like to have fun with it because she's old enough where you can do this is take a picture of maybe um, um, if you take a picture of half the numbers of the house and leave half the numbers off. OK. Why do you think I wouldn't want that game with her brain? Are we half the numbers, and then the other half aren't there? What do I want her brain to start
3: imagining? The other half
1: exactly. She's going to start really owning it and understanding it and seeing it in her own in her own vision. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing with the inside of the you know what her room looks like. Okay. Then once you make that, so she's going to have the album now for the next two months, going through it, going through it, talking about it. And then once you get into the home, um, after two you know in two months, um, there are some games we can play in the home. Um, this flashlight tag where you can turn off the lights and have her sit in her bed and um, show something like, okay, now you find the dresser and shine your flashlight on the dresser. You find the, you know, there's, there's the different things we can do once we get into the home. Okay. And we're going to play games during the day with her and take tours and play hide and go seek during the day. And then we're going to do the same thing at night because nighttime looks very different in yeah. a home. Yeah. And we're going to make her aware of her home by, by, by living it, by being part of it. So hide-and-go-seek games are really fun to kind of learn where all the hiding places are, you know, fun things. Okay. Um, and then uh, when she moves in, it's, it's once again, it's being really clear of what you have created as the parents and what she as a child has control over. So she should have some control over where maybe furniture might go in the room or the color of her walls, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe with some decorations. Mm-hmm. But she shouldn't have control over what your living room looks like, right? or what the kitchen looks like, right? Yeah. There's certain things that she can and cannot have control over. Of
2: course. right.
1: Something Sylvia and Adam mentioned before was Ava's eating habits and how Ava often asks her parents to feed her even though she is perfectly capable. So the question I have for right now is, is it really about the food or is it really about control?
2: So, for instance, since we're talking about eating sure, and because the request comes up every meal for us to help her
1: eat. Yes. Yeah, you mentioned that. So yes. do we um, continue that or do we take that, that choice away? Yeah. yeah, that would be something I would definitely um, talk to her about ahead before the meal happens okay. is, you know, tonight and um, every dinner time we're going to really work on you eating and we're going to eat our food. We're not going to, we're going to eat our food by ourselves and you're going to eat your food by yourself. Okay. And if she sits there and says, I can't, I can't eat. I just don't want, I just can't do it. Then I need you to be sit there and not give in to that. But say, you know, you can do this. You got this one bite. Here we go. And just play it out and, and talk it through. Okay. And, but continue to eat, continue to show her that you're eating. Um, and if she doesn't want to eat, this is the hardest thing as parents is sometimes we have to end that meal the meals should last about 20 minutes at the most a meal time for a child okay and a family and that's what we should expect them to stay there for 15-20 minutes and eat and then the meal time is then transitioned you know where we, she takes her plate to the kitchen she helps clean up that kind of activity okay. but it shouldn't be going longer than that um, so if she is not willing to eat during that time period and you're still eating and you're done and she hasn't really eaten much Uh, The hardest thing as a parent is to say, you know what, the mealtime's over, and you chose not to eat. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Uh, The reason I say it's hard is because we don't like our children to go to bed hungry, right? And it's not going to be a month of not eating. It's going to be a couple nights or a night here and there that she doesn't get it, that she's going to fight that system. Um, You know, there are times we do nurture our children. Can you find other ways to nurture her besides the things that she should be doing by herself? So, you know, she should be able to feed herself at this age um, and take care of that. So let's take that piece out and find another way. Say, why don't you finish? And then we'll have time to go whatever nurturing that she loves. Does she love cuddle time? Does she like to go wrestling with dad? You know, what is it that nurtures her? Okay. So we could nurture her that way. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. Instead of nurturing her um, during the time when she really is capable of taking care of herself and doing that. Okay. Um, but once again, there are times that our children, we do fall into the trap of feeding them and taking care of them. And I get it. But find other ways mm-hmm. to nurture what she's asking for and to get her through that moment and say, let's go. Let's go. Daddy's waiting to wrestle with you and and to have a, you know, a tickle fight with you. Finish your dinner so you can go do that. And okay. Says, no, I don't want to eat. Well, you need that energy to go tickle daddy. Eat your food <laughs> up. Right? Just encourage that behavior more.
3: I I think a lot of it has to go back to the sensory. She likes music playing or a movie playing while anything is sort of happening. Yeah, yeah. But because she likes all this n- distraction and noise, she likes to pick what that distraction and noise mm-hmm, is. Mm-hmm. So let's say we wanted to have just quiet or let's say just watch a nature show, but she wants to watch... Frozen. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, can I give you an example? Of
1: yeah. Because so if, if you want to watch a more calming show, and she she's looking for more stimulation, right? She's like, oh, I want to watch something very exciting and likes Frozen, but you as a family have decided you're going to watch something a little calmer, right? Right. Like a nature show, then you can balance it out by giving um, Ava something else to stimulate herself. For example. Um, you know, the children, uh, do you have an exercise ball anywhere in your house? I love exercise balls because they are, can be used for so many things.
3: We used to. we were in the transition. Okay. So we have <laughs> very little of our so stuff.
1: If you have an exercise ball and there's something like that accessible or, or something you could, um, having a child sit and, and balance on an exercise ball by the watching something will give that same stimulation that she, that sensory piece that she needs to, to feel that, that need taken care of. Okay. But she likes sound. Sound is her thing. All right. So before you sit down and watch that quiet show that you might want to watch together to relax, then I would recommend taking her into a room and tickling her and and yelling and screaming and having fun and being loud. Right. And let her have that experience and then transition her to the quiet activity.
2: Should we expect that she will sort of always tend to be this way yes okay. yeah
1: so ch- uh, we're all born we're all born with these features that we have our needs and then yeah. we ha- as we mature and grow we learn to understand them And we learn to avoid certain things or need certain things. So, you know, she's one who, before she goes to school, to really focus in school, she might do really well, you know, since she's a very auditory child, is to listen to some really hardcore music that she can dance to and move to and run and dance and exercise and, you know, do all that and then go to school to really focus. So we need to drain her, literally drain her and then focus, drain her and then focus. And that's going to be throughout. So your question is, will this be who she is? Yes, but okay. she'll we. But together as a family, you will help her learn about that, about her body, mm-hmm. and help her understand that. And that's the first steps we're doing right now by slowing things down and teaching her about what she needs and what she can control and what she can't. And that's the beginning steps of helping her with these big feelings. Okay. Because nothing about the big feelings. It's all the stuff leading up to the, right to the big feelings. Yeah. So if you look at the volcano, right, erupting. Let's not focus on the eruption right now. Let's work on all that big emotions building up to make that feeling of explosion, right? Yeah. And that's what we're looking at today.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was looking at all of my little notes and I can see that they're all about control.
1: Here we go. <laughs> okay, so that's <laughs> going to be our focus with, with Ava and, and, you, uh, and guiding you guys through the process of um, understanding that piece um, and how to slow things down and modulate and hear her, understand her, but guide her to understanding really what, um, you know.
2: We need a lot of patience during <laughs> the very stressful <laughs> time that is. Which is hard, but I, I get it. I see where it yeah. needs to be. Hopefully well, and, we and can do that. And she's not 14 years old. That. She's not yeah.
1: 14 years old. She's not 15 years old. As I say with parents, I would much rather deal with a four-year-old or a three-year-old, right? And you say she acts like an adolescence. Well, you're Right. Her behaviors are very adolescent like. Mm -hmm. But I'd much rather deal with this now, right? Yeah. Than deal with a 14 year old with the same issue, right? Mm hmm. Yes. So together, let's do that. Sounds good. (laughs) Ava is a young child with anxiety. Um, And this anxiety um, would present itself immediately as a concern for the parents, of course, um, but also. Uh, to try to understand the anxiety. Anxiety is there for a reason. Anxiety is, is communicating really what's going on internally with this child and with anybody. So what um, Ava's anxiety, um, she uses it uh, to control her environment uh, due to her sensory needs. So when she is feeling overwhelmed by her environment, by loud noises, by chaos, Um, And Ava's, her sensory need is noise and chaos. Um, So that noise will cause her to start feeling um, uncomfortable, um, uneasy. And when she starts feeling uneasy, then she starts to control her environment around her. So what we have to do with her is uh, slow things down, um, make her um, aware of that we hear her once again, that um, she um, and, and uh, help her process what she's going through um, very slowly, methodically, um, and give her the power of understanding versus the power of controlling everything around her. And that anxiety um, can be understood and uh, um, handled by slowing life down, by having a routine and a schedule so things are predictable as much as possible, Um, but also an understanding of the routine, not just having a routine, but understanding it and giving her places that she can control and places that she does not have an option to control. For example, the doctor, the medicine, um, bedtime routines, eating times. Um, She can choose what she wants to eat of the meal that's provided, but she cannot choose the entire meal. Those are normal choices for children to have. But to have control over everything and when she wants it is very anxiety-producing.
0: Everyday Parenting is produced by me, Teresa Wang. The recording studio and equipment is courtesy of Abra Sussman, whose podcast, Everyday Magic, is coming to a device near you soon. Check it out at abrasussman.com slash everydaymagic. The music you hear in our podcast is courtesy of Stephen Morell. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you thought of today's podcast, or tell us what you want to hear about, or just tell us what you had for breakfast. You can reach us at everydayparentingpodcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash everydayparentingpodcast or Twitter, where our handle is podcastparents. To make sure you catch our next episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or however you download podcasts. And make sure you rate us, It helps more people find us.